I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 483. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. As we get started today, I recognize engaging God's Word for yourself can feel daunting. And while our featured song will give us fresh inspiration as to where to study, the episode guide will give you the interaction tools you need to dig in. So grab your episode 483 guide at michellenizat.com forward slash 483 download. And if you're already subscribed to my email list, this guide is already in your inbox, ready to help you discover and meditate on God's Word in new ways. My husband loves peppy songs. He, he is famous for not paying attention to the lyrics, but if the song is a good beat, he loves it. And Hallelujah Feeling by Caleb and John fits the bill for my husband and drew me into scripture with two words in the lyrics. What are those two words? Well, I'm going to tell you in a minute, but first, let's listen. I got that The song itself is about the emotional high we get from trusting God for our hope and salvation, despite our circumstances. In a clip that the artists recorded to reveal the story behind the song, they actually quote from Romans, Romans 15, 13, uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And they remind us, uh, Caleb and John do, that the kind of joy and peace comes from faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they call that joy and peace that we feel the hallelujah feeling. And I love that. And I'm going to go ahead and link to that video in the show notes. And it's going to be found, uh, the show notes are found at michellenizat.com forward slash 483. But I don't want to talk about the hallelujah feeling today. I want to talk about being born again. And the lyrics say, I've been born again. Yes and amen. No matter what comes, I know I got that hallelujah feeling down in my soul. So that hallelujah feeling, that joy and peace comes from that saving faith. And those who have that saving faith are, according to Jesus, born again. And I was initially drawn to this song because as I studied in 1 Peter for episode 482, that phrase, born again, came up there twice. Uh, 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then 1 Peter 1.23 says, Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. In fact, this phrase jumped out at me, um, and it got me thinking, where else in the Bible is that phrase, born again? And I, I was thinking of one. I was thinking of that time that Jesus uses it during his conversation with Nicodemus. But I was wondering, does it show up anywhere else? And so I looked up the phrase in my Logos Bible software, and I discovered it's only used four times. Four. And that's why it j- jumped out at me, because uh, it's only used four times. And my, I do want to stop here for a second and say, if you don't have Logos, it's fine. There is a free version of the Logos software, um, but you could have discovered the same thing by searching for that phrase using BibleHub.com or another free online Bible resource. Um, so just wanted to mention that. But here's the thing. This phrase may only be mentioned four times in the Bible, But I've heard it my whole life to describe Christians. You know, born again believer was used in the denomination that I grew up in a lot. And it's also used in surveys and things even today. I've read surveys where they say folks identifying as born again believers say such and such. However, you can't just identify as a born again believer to be one. And I know that I know that goes against the grain of our culture today. Our culture today teaches us that we can be anything we say we are. Uh, But it's just not true. And so I want to search what the scripture teaches about being born again and let that change the way I think or shape the way I think. Not culture and not my denomination and not just what I've always thought of. Okay. Specifically, I think we'll only have time today to identify a few key areas of study you might have to do some the rest of the heavy lifting on your own, but it'll get you started. It'll get you into the, the direction of the scriptures that you can go and sit and meditate in. Because being born again can't mean what you want it to mean. It, it must mean what God intends it to mean. So let's journey back to that conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Okay, that's the other two places it specifically says born again, by the way. So you've got two, two sightings of born again in First Peter and then two here in John 3. Uh, let me read the first three verses of John 3. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I want to take the bite of making some observations here. And bite stands for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. These are exercises that I use in my personal Bible study time. I didn't create these bites. I just curate them. Um, Another bite that I like to use is to slow down. And making observations in the text is one way to slow down. So what do I observe in these first few verses? I'm going to shoot out a few things. There are more. If you will take the time to really look closely, you can make many more observations of even just these three verses. But first of all, There are two people in this conversation. I observe that there are two people in this conversation. First, Nicodemus and Jesus. And you could stop and look deeper at Nicodemus here if you want to. And any effort that you make in that area is only going to add depth to your understanding of the text. We're not going to do that a whole lot today, but I want to always give you ideas to try on your own. Okay. And so just on the surface, without deeper study, though, we can see that Nicodemus had standing among the leadership of the Jews. He is a Pharisee, and John points out that he is a ruler. So without too much research, I can see that John wants us to see that Nicodemus has standing and authority. 
And so let's also observe how he approaches Jesus. Well, first of all, he approaches him at night and also with respect. Uh, So for now, I'm just going to leave the whole nighttime approach out there. But that observation might be worth considering further, depending on the focus of your study. For us, we want to see what Jesus has to say about being born again. But spending some time to, to consider the first audience of these words is a worthwhile activity. You know, the first audience isn't the first readers of the Gospel of John. The first audience is Nicodemus himself. And understanding who he is and where he may be coming from is important. So he approached Jesus at night and with respect, he said in verse two, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, first, let's consider the title that he approached Jesus with. He called him Rabbi. It's a Hebrew word for teacher. And it was a respectful way to address a teacher of the scriptures. It was a title of honor. Um, Not only that, but Nicodemus confirms that Jesus came from God. He says, we know you know, that you couldn't do these things if you didn't come from God. I'm pretty sure, though, that there were other people uh, among the Pharisees who would have vehemently disagreed with the statement, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. In fact, here what the scribe said in, in Mark, Mark chapter 3, verse 22, the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he's possessed by Beelzebul and by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. <laughs> so not only did they not see Jesus's ability to cast out demons as proof that he came from God, they actually used it as part of an argument to say the opposite. And how does John put it in verse 11 of chapter one? He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. So all this to say, Nicodemus is a unique audience and has shown his openness and his respect for uh, his openness to learn from Jesus, his respect for Jesus. And here's something else I observe. Nicodemus didn't ask a question as much as make a statement. And then Jesus's response seems to be completely unrelated to Nicodemus's statement. It seems that way, but I really don't think it is. Because if Jesus came from God, then God was trying to show his people something. And Jesus tells Nicodemus the thing he needs to see is the kingdom of God, but he won't see it unless he's born again. So John 3, 3, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now this trips Nicodemus up. And so he asks in verse four, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus answers, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So as I continue to take the bite of observation, I see that first Jesus says you cannot see the kingdom of God without being born again. And then now he adds something else. You cannot enter the kingdom of God without being born again. And then Jesus also clarifies what kind of new birth he's talking about, water and spirit. Um, In exalting Jesus in John, this commentary that I have, it says this, Jesus is flipping Nicodemus's theology upside down. Nicodemus thought entering God's kingdom had everything to do with physical birth. If a person was born a Jew, he would automatically have a spot in God's kingdom. He would only be kept out if he were blasphemous or extremely wicked. But Jesus says the opposite. No matter who a person is, he is automatically kept out of God's kingdom by his sin. He would only be let in if he were born again. All right. So Jesus is talking about a spiritual rebirth. But Nicodemus is still stumped. 
How can these things be? He asks in verse 9. To which Jesus replies, Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? So Jesus is admonishing Nicodemus here. He's telling Nicodemus and he's telling us that what Nicodemus knew as a teacher of the scripture should have informed his understanding of what Jesus just told him. He should have recognized the language. He said this because it is the language of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 through 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So this is what it is to be born of the spirit. This is what it is to be born again. And who does it? God. So the theme of death to rebirth is a thread that is woven throughout scripture. If you really stop to think about it from beginning to end, you know, from in the beginning, you consider the, the story of the flood. God destroys the entire earth, then causes life to reemerge. Let's think about the end. Revelation 21 one says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. So this thread is woven from beginning to end. Let's think about Abraham. Abraham's willingness to offer Isaac speaks to this thread. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, it says this about Abraham. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back death to life or a Jacob's dark night of the soul as he wrestled with God and he merges with a new name and a new identities dead to his old self alive to the new on a national level Israel is reborn after 400 plus years of slavery in Egypt the thread is there when the Israelites pass on dry ground with that wall of water on their left and the wall of water on their right and then they watch the Red Sea drown the Egyptians death to life and if you keep reading in Ezekiel, where I just read, you'll read the next chapter. You'll see his vision of the Valley of Dry Bones, literally dead things coming back to life through the breath of God. Uh, Ezekiel 37, 9 says, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And what was it that Jesus said to Nicodemus in verse eight? The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So the word for breath and wind in both the Old and New Testament can be translated spirit. So it makes sense that Jesus would indicate that the breath of life comes from the wind of the spirit and causes us to come from death to life. There's one more area of scripture that I want to draw your attention to as we seek to know more about being born again. And I know I said that the phrase born again is only found in John chapter 3 and 1 Peter 1, but there's there's close alignment with this new birth in John's first epistle where he describes it as being born of God. So that's how he, he references it. There's four references here. I'll read them to you now, and I'm going to also drop them into the show notes for your further study and review. But 1 John 3, 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, 
for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep sinning because he's been born of God. Um, first John four, seven says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And first John five, one, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of him. And then verse 18 of chapter five, we know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. So I guess what I'm saying is you could add first John to your reading list to meditate on what it has to say about being born of God, which I deem as synonymous with being born again. Okay, so let's start to take these threads and see what we have uncovered in scripture. Let's take the bite of considering the opposite. And I often find that if I can clearly identify what something isn't, it helps me to better define what it is. And so let's talk about what being born again is not. Well, we know it's not natural birth. Nicodemus is right. You're not going to re-enter your mother's womb. That ship has sailed. No, being born again is to be born of God and it's a spiritual birth. Remember, John 1.13 says, Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So it's God's will, and it's, it's um, not flesh. It's not flesh. Being born again is not a set of beliefs or affiliation with a church or a denomination. Um, your denomination does not have the, the cap on, on those believers who are born again. Nicodemus knew the scripture, and he didn't understand it. And Jesus made statements that did not make him born again just by hearing them. So um, it's not a set of beliefs or affirmation or affiliation with a church or denomination. Being born again is not outward reformation. You cannot change your behavior to force new creation to come upon you. And as we've already said, being born again is also not something that you can just profess. You know, merely professing to be saved does not save. And so now that we've considered what being born again is not, let's let's think about what is it? Well, it is a, defi- a divine change. You know, just like you had nothing to do with your physical birth, you are not the instigator of your spiritual birth. God must do the birthing and the changing. It's a divine change. It's also a complete change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Remember, death to life. And rebirth means completely new. It is also a change that you will absolutely be aware of. (laughs) How does the hymn say it? I once was blind, but now I see. You know, 1 Corinthians 2 says, uh, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So remember, Nicodemus couldn't see or enter the kingdom of God without being born again. But once he's born again, now he can see it. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But the opposite is true. Those who are born of God can see and understand. So you're going to know that this change has happened. Um, again, what did Nicodemus? Or what did Jesus tell Nicodemus? You can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. But when you are born again, you'll know it. All right, so why? Why do we need to be born again? Well, because Jesus said so, red letters and all. You know, we cannot have fellowship with God in our fallen state. We cannot see or enter the kingdom of God without being born again. And then finally, let's bring these three sections of scripture together as we talk about how this change is affected. 
Ezekiel 37, 9 said, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. John 3, 8, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So the agent of change is the Holy Spirit. All right, let's look at 1 Peter 1, 23. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So the instrument of change is the word. So it's not our thoughts that the Holy Spirit uses to bring new life to our souls. It's God's thoughts. It's the word of God. And then 1 John 5, 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. And then some more of the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Uh, If you keep reading in John chapter 3, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So the condition of change is faith. You must believe. So the agent of change is the Spirit. The instrument of change is the word and the condition of change is to be born again is faith. And out of that new life comes hope, joy, and peace. All that which gives us that hallelujah feeling no matter our circumstances. Now, if if you've never surrendered to the draw of the Holy Spirit to accept the free gift of salvation, please don't delay. You are not saved because you say you are. You are saved when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And when you do that, my friend, you are born again. So what's next? Well, study for yourself what scripture says about being born again. Start in John chapter 3. Make your own observations from the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Then head over to Ezekiel 36 and 37, where God includes the language that Nicodemus should have recognized. Uh, Take note of what Peter said about being born again in his first letter. Then examine what John says about being born of God in his first epistle. And after all that study, then you should be able to make your own observations about what being born again is, what it's not, why it's needed, and how it's affected. And while you're in God's word, let me know how you're doing. You can email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on X or Instagram at michellekneezat or my public page on Facebook is michellekneezat and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. Check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And then don't forget to grab that episode guide that I mentioned at michellekneezat.com forward slash 483. With that in mind, I want to thank any new subscribers who've subscribed lately, like Audrey from North Carolina, Susan from Florida, Ivy from Louisiana, Angie from Louisiana, Casey from Oklahoma, Liz from California, Amber from Trinidad and Tobago, Amika from Ontario, Canada, Marcy from Nebraska, Stephanie from California, Becky from New York, Douglas from Cutter, Allison from Montana, and Stephanie from Tennessee. Welcome. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneezat.com or your podcast listening app of choice. But if you haven't left a review yet, I would really appreciate it. And you can do that while you're in whatever app you're using, or you can head over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song and the links are there. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. 
Next time, I will be featuring Loved by You by Riley Clemens to dive into scripture. My friend and listener Terry suggested it, and I already know where I want to go in scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, X, or email. Just head over to michellenizat.com forward slash 483. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.